Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. There are many people who know the Bible. There are many people who can quote from the Bible. But you're somewhat different. You know the business. And what is that business? Isn't it the business that we hear when the young boy, Jesus, was lost for a matter of three days or so? And they said to him, why didn't you follow us? Why didn't you come with us? We were worried. We were scared to death. Where were you? And he said very quietly and very simply, wist ye not that I am about my father's business? Now, I don't intend to portray the fact that the father's business in itself is selling Bibles for dollars and cents and for the commercial aspect of it. But I do believe the good that comes from the selling of Bibles and the getting of Bibles and the reading of Bibles is definitely identified with the father's business. And the good that comes from reviewing movies is a little show we call Filmically Perfect. And welcome to another edition on 91.3. And that's our business. We're doing the father's business here. (laughs) I'm Nikki Dakota. Pleased to welcome into the studio today the Nitrate Film Archivist from the Library of Congress and great friend of the show. He is our man at the Library of Congress. George Willeman, welcome. Thank you very much. Also live in the studio, it is the storyboard artist to all the beautiful movies and for the Coen brothers for 20 years and counting. Great friend of the show. And in fact, half of the film guys, he is film guy, J. Todd Anderson, J. Todd. I'm sorry. What were you saying? I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) Is she talking to me? (laughs) I didn't hear anything. We gather together on uh, an occasion to talk about some of the finest movies ever made. And we just heard a clip from a, a rare genre of movies on Filmically Perfect, a documentary that's called... Salesman. 1968, the Maisel Brothers, a uh, very famous duo for making documentary films. And it's, it's, uh, it's striking. It's notable. And not only... Uh, the, their type of documentary, which we'll get more into uh, in the show here, is a type commonly referred to as cinema verite. Mm. But they never... Which means truth. They, but they, they, they had their own connotation, which was direct cinema. Yeah. They wanted... You know, they'd say, no, no, it's direct cinema, you know? Are they Italian, or is that just some no, crazy just accent like that there, you just know? drew out of the <laughs> air? <laughs> <laughs> no, they, basically the I well, we'll get into it. Let's yeah. let's not let's not jump the gun. Here. Okay, before we do, let's remind our listeners and ourselves that these films do not just come in a dream and we decide to oh, okay, well maybe we'll put it on the list. There's very strict stringent criteria that dictate which rules are which which films are and are not perfect. And those rules, gentlemen, are Well, Salesman creates the world that it exists in. And it wholly sustains that world. And regardless of changes in society, Salesman retains its meaning and entertainment value. And Salesman will never be played, placed, on sale (laughs) in any kind of preferential or numerical order. It is perfect within its own scale. And it is a documentary to be seen, man. Mm -hmm. Forty years later, it's still incredible. I noticed that one of the salesmen among the group made reference to, um, and in 67, I'm going to sell the most. So so, so obviously some of this was recorded. And the other guy stands up, and I'm going to make 65,000 one-ups in front of everybody. None of it's substantiated. It's just like, how much can you 
you stand up and brag. But uh, we should tell the audience how George on what this so that they kind of understand our inside jokes that we're playing on each other. <laughs> what this movie is all about, right? And the the synopsis of this movie is very very simple. It is a story actually of uh, four salesmen who work for a company that sells very fancy leather-bound Bibles. For your coffee table. For your coffee table. They are not the ordinary uh, Bible that you would carry with you or carry to church. They are family Bibles. They are very large format, very heavy. Uh, again, pictures, color lots pictures. of color pictures in them, a whole place to put your entire family history. And and at the time, I, if I remember correctly from the film, they were running like 25 30 bucks. Even more than that, the deluxe, than uh, $50.80 yeah. if you got all the bells, all and, bells whistles. and whistles. And that would be the um, gold-leafed one that has the... Right. 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 So basically, the Maisel brothers followed these men around, and these were men that they knew. They lived in the town where the Maisels are from. I do not recall where that is right now. But... Um, they follow them around, and it's amazing that they got into these guys' lives. Not just that, but that the people, because they're door-to-door Door-to-door, salesmen, and the people allowed them in with homes. their machinery. Because it becomes very telling. These guys' lives but are tell, hard. Tell, tell them how it was set up, George, how they got their contacts. You know, they went to the church, the big Catholic church. Oh, you mean how the they, salesmen got yeah, the Yeah, they, they, they go to this Catholic church, and then they uh, the the priest there would pick out some people that might be interested in buying, and they give them their contact cards, and these guys would, you know, swarm into the field to, in a hotel room each, and they'd all drive up to door-to-door, and they'd go after these, these people that they had, like, you know, found out that they could possibly be bait for them. And by the way, these salesmen went up to the doors and say, hi, I'm Mr. Brenner with the church, or from the church, church, which I thought Mm -hmm. was very interesting, when really they were maybe working through the church, but, so there you go, uh... I don't know. Just right. an interesting so he, beginning to the, the sales pitch that was then to follow. And you see, now this is 1968, although it's all in black and white. But you see this incredible era that is gone. The door-to-door salesman does not exist Mm-mm. anymore. I mean, Plus the closest you, thing they have is somebody calling you at dinner time on the telephone. Yeah. And I but, think if somebody came to your door selling something, you'd be just as likely to call the police nowadays. There's some strange man with a suitcase. And they and full of Bibles. Yeah. yeah. And they show these guys, and they all have the string ties and the short sleeve cotton shirts. And they all have the, the really tight haircuts. And you High don't and see tight. one woman in these yeah. in these uh, conventions that they have. Or what was it? The uh, district meetings. Yeah, the district meetings that you see throughout the film. And, and they all, all have heavy frame glasses. And they all look just very much alike. Very, the same, yeah, same coat and jacket and pants and tie and very uh, well, uniform. And as one, more than one person is, has, has sort of posited about this film, it's like watching... Death of a Salesman played out before yeah. your eyes with real people. Yeah, there's uh, just the, sadness. The Maisel brothers, uh, now, as a really good documentary filmmaker, they're usually very adamant about, you know, sticking it out until they get what they want. Well, the Maisel brothers just fell right into this situation where this man is going down. He can't sell the Bibles that he used to. He used to he's called the Badger. They all have nicknames, right, George? Badger, right, the rabbit. The badger, the gipper, the rabbit, yeah, and, and the bull. Yeah, they all have techniques. And, of course, you'll if you watch this movie, you can see why they call him the badger, because he badgers them. And, uh, but he's this he's guy, I don't know, he's probably his late 40s, early mm-hmm. 50s. But he's had his time in the sun, and the Maisel brothers 
park their camera and watch him rot before your very eyes. Kind of sad. And also, uh, we have a clip here that's the regional, I imagine he's the regional manager, and he's sort of supposed to be giving these guys a pep talk, but he's yeah. just hes just a jerk, and he's Get just mean. George. It's always right. real negative. And George real is finding sort of, the projector. I just, I don't know. I'm not, it's uh, right over there. Yeah, well, well, wait a minute. Money is being made in the Bible business. It's a fabulous business. It's a good business. All I can say to people who aren't making the money, it's their fault. Just keep that in mind. The money is out there and go out and get it. I, for one, am sick and tired of haggling with you people and pleading with you to get you to do what's good for you and what's good for us. Instead of Friday and Saturday, instead of goofing off or playing gin rummy or poker, which I think is all very important, <laughs> I think somebody that's out in that territory should go out, see if this church is in a good neighborhood or if it's in a Skid Row neighborhood, meet the priest, and if you're going to have a problem, sit in time to let us know so we can get another church. You would double your earnings, we would double our volume, and we'd all be a lot better off. <laughs> It really amazes me to hear this, and it just shows how, how good the Maisel brothers are at getting into these things, because what this guy's saying, I mean, you know, basically, for, for, the, for believers out there, you know, the Bible is the Word of God, the inspired Word of God, and here they're selling it like it's brushes yeah. or a lube job for your car yeah. or something like that and I'm it's really it's really tired yeah it's really that guy gets really aggravated when they don't sell and he lectures them and balls yeah. them out and says he's, he's gonna lay them out if he hears any more and he's all well, no up. more lullabies you know <laughs> i'm tired of telling you what's good for you <laughs> and us so yeah. you know it's, you know yeah they're gonna sell these books but Plus, it's like really bad management style. You're supposed to like be motivational instead of like beating somebody down again and again. And he's like, "I'm sick of your excuse. Are you giving me an excuse? No more Is that an alibi? Buys. You know, it's like, ee, it just kind of has a negativity that then yeah, seems Sorry to deposit into the 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 badger character. He just becomes more and more. Yeah. But he sings. And that, that, what's so amazing about this film to watch it, and it it's amazing because even though it is a documentary. It is as fascinating and enthralling as any drama. I mean, any drama that you could watch about guys out selling stuff like this. I mean, a good companion to this film would be like Paper Moon. Or Fargo. Right. But was Paper Moon before or after this? Paper Moon was after. It yeah. was uh, seven years later. I don't know. And uh, it came, it comes from a novel, which I don't know when that was written. But yeah, I mean, it's the same. It's a fictional story about which a Bible Which is Ryan, and his, Ryan O'Neill and his daughter, and his Taylor daughter O'Neill, Taylor, who, yes. who go to houses and say, uh, you're, they read about widows and right. say that the man who just died had ordered, ordered this. It for them, yeah. So how can they not so then purchase it's even more, it? Right. I mean, in that case, they're even more nefarious. These guys, at least, they're, they don't lie about it. They are, you know, they're just selling it. They're yeah. they're out there. They're for the, you know. They hook up with a, with a big Catholic church and they go out to get these people. Now, unfortunately, uh, a lot of the people that they choose are definitely not the type who are going to be spending fifty dollars on a fancy Bible. They just don't have that kind but of. He money. usually guilts them into you know you got to have this yeah. for the children. And uh, what I say in it earlier is if you watch Fargo, yeah, and, uh, you know I know that the 
brothers are very they're a very big fan of this movie very big fan you're gonna see a lot of jerry in this guy the main car salesman <laughs> jerry and, and and paul brennan the badger uh <laughs> have a lot in common in their meltdown sequence only one's a documentary and one's like you know let's dramatize it um but in this movie as i said you watch the Maisel brothers, they know exactly where to put that camera, and you can see it in the guy's eyes when he's failing. And they carefully use a zoom lens to capture this, you know, uh, and they subtly kind of push in, you know. Uh, and, and People are watching them use this camera. They can't tell, of course. But he goes right in, and, and he gets it very much like what they do now when somebody starts to cry on television. They zoom in. This one here, uh-huh, they can uh-huh. just they do this conditional like peeling of an onion with this boy, and they just you can watch him just you know silently falling like a tree in the forest, just just going right down. This is so sad. We're talking about the salesman or just salesman? Is it salesman just, or the salesman? It's salesman. Salesman. Nineteen sixty eight documentary film that uh, is perfect, and that is is I think the, the black and white in this case, although that was. Really, maybe more normal, or am I wrong in that? They- I am thinking, if it's like most people at that time, the black and white film was had a much faster speed uh, for light than the color film did, and them not knowing exactly where they might be from day to day, it would give them more latitude of shooting inside and outside. But it really is the perfect medium. It's a lot medium. cheaper, too. They probably financed this themselves, you know, oh. those guys, you know, and then they sure ended up being shot. like an amazing hit for them. Um, but it's perfect it really works well with the story that black and white that starkness and that occasionally like the graininess you sort of even get the almost the visual sensation of the disintegration well that gets into an interesting situation of talking about the look of film and how how a certain look will engender a certain response in people and you will see even today in productions when they want something to have a newsy feel or a reality feel what will they do they'll either make it look grainy or they'll put a really shaky look on it, like a shaky cam look, like handheld, yeah. to give to make it look real. They even do it in advertising. So this, of course, comes out. It's a natural product. You know, Maisels are carrying the cameras on their shoulder and just kind of moving from place to place. Look, if you look very closely in this movie, in the hotel rooms, you can see all the film cans laying on the floor. Oh, yeah, the film cans are just laying on the floor. Oh. They're mm-hmm. just laying all over the place. And then as, you know, when we played the last uh, uh, clip... You could hear like what sounds like our projector, but that's their 16 millimeter cameras grinding, grinding away because the they didn't have really good sound cameras. I don't think the Maisels had a lot of money at this time, but they were, you know, dogged professionals. So they had this was not their first nor their last documentary. This correct? was, I think, this was their first big one. This is the one that made them the Maisel brothers. Mm. You know, yeah, because you'll see if you get this one really good criterion. Um, uh, disc. They're gonna have a. There's a lot of stuff on there, and you can see their interview on a television show, where both of them are finishing each other's sentences. They're very tightly wound, you know, and uh, they're they they know that they're on to something here. They know that they've they've caught somebody in like the most the worst moment of their life, and they've got it captured on film so you can watch it. Which most people are, are very much interested in tragedy, especially when it's not happening to them. You know, and they would have had no way of knowing, of course, that this man was sort of at the at the long, dark down end of his. Tr- but I think that they smelled it I think, like uh, animals, yeah. and they went after it like great filmmakers. And uh, they do say that you know these were like I said these were guys, probably Brennan especially. Uh, that lived in their neighborhood, and they knew them. So being neighbors, they would know 
when things were going better and things were going worse. And, you know, the changes in the 60s, I'm sure that these Bible salesmen probably did much better in the 50s. Sure. Uh, you know, into the early 60s. By 68, so much had changed in America. The th- it's, it's, it's a really nice little time capsule. I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, obviously it's a documentary, but there's something about it that it just has caught this thin slice, which really is so telling and so rich about the time. It's interesting to see the cars, and since they go into people's homes, you see people's homes as they actually were, the not some, you know, you know, the Brady's set. A lot, or, lot right. simpler lifestyle, very obvious. Very much. And you'll notice that they are in a winter environment, uh, and then they, they pack up and they go down to Florida <laughs> for the winter. Yeah. And, and it gets worse. They're not stupid. Yeah, it no. just gets yeah. worse for them, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, it's interesting. At this time, I mean, up through the 60s, there was so much of this direct cinema or cinema verite or what you want to call it uh, coming out. Another uh, big exponent of it, actually probably bigger than the Maisel brothers this time, was uh, Frederick Wiseman who had started in the early 60s with this just inflammatory film called Titty Cut Follies. What is it called? Titty Cut Follies, mm. uh, in which he, and amazing how he got to do this, went into an asylum, a mental asylum in Massachusetts, and shot for months. And again, got into the good graces of everyone there and shot just some of the most amazing and disturbing footage. And again, it's very much like Salesman. There's no narration. The film just, you know, title, film starts, goes through an hour and a half and ends. And and Frederick Wiseman, to this day, continues to make these direct cinema movies. There's one called High School. There's one called The Store about Neiman Marcus. And they're wonderful. Is that a mark of one of these a cinema verite that there's no narrator? Is that yes. part of the form? That, that, and that was sort of the big change from earlier documentaries, which had what they referred to as the voice of God narration. You mm. know, Charles Foster Kane and... died today, that kind of thing. Or like, like uh, newsreels. News newsreels yeah. and, and the March of Time, especially. And this supposedly, I think a lot of the, the younger filmmakers coming out, like Wiseman and the Maisels, thought that would would tend to color someone's view of a film to a certain perspective, whereas their idea, which is somewhat facetious, would be to offer a completely objective view of something. But which you can't you really can't ever do that. Get. No, 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 no. You can never do it. I, never I, do it. I mean, that's just my opinion. Uh, again, on that documentary uh, on the on salesman, and when they have a little piece and they're running on the television, so you can tell they have a little bit of guilt because they constantly say, "Paul's a great guy. We love him. He's a really nice guy." And inside, you can hear their head whispering, "But he was there at the right place at the right time, so we could record it and and exploit this." And then his brother would interview, "Yeah, we love the guy. We just he he's just like our father. Only our father made a lot more money than him." And they would they're constantly, <laughs> you could just tell that they were just so gleeful that they were at the right place at the right time, and they were trying to say, "Yeah, it's not our fault. He went down. We just." captured it on film See, yeah and that's just it it's like like poor paul brandon goes down <laughs> and the next thing you hear about the Maisel brothers they're shooting a movie about the rolling stones uh, <laughs> is that really true yeah yeah they did give me shelter that was their next oh big for one. heaven's sake mm-hmm. uh, you know something that i found really sort of heartbreaking about paul brennan our our badger <laughs> our willie loman our mm-hmm. willie loman mm-hmm. who um is going down, can hardly make a sale. You can just see in him this tension and this almost like uh, desperation becoming complete disillusionment (coughs) and dejection, pardon me, Um, is that he sings to himself so many times when he's driving from place to place between these completely humiliating episodes, it actually making the sale, uh, f- falling on his face, and and the, and the way his friends treat him, his fellow salesmen, he still manages to sing. Well, there's one 
just absolutely <laughs> just penetrating scene where the other guy's done pretty good. He sold a bunch of Bibles, you know, and, and they have to share a room. You know, these guys share a room in these really terrible hotels in the 60s. And one guy's over there counting his receipts, you know, and uh, Paul's leaning against the wall and he's just he's just beside himself because he can't sell one Bible. And uh, and the other guy, he just can't keep it within himself. He's over there and he's counting receipts and, and they they really... <laughs> yeah, I swear the Maisel brothers rolled out so many times on these reels because they let this thing just run and run and run. And uh, after that, <laughs> they cut. They go to a scene where he's actually uh, the the person that was counting the money. I believe takes him out on the sales to to help him because he's been slowing down. To back and, him up. And back set, him yeah. up. That's what we're gonna hear. We have a clip about that. And uh, and this is where 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 Paul has gone in. He's gone for the fence one last time here. <laughs> May I interject to say one thing? The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Is that right? The woman behind every great man is a good woman. Now, she spends, according to the Reader's Digest, about 85% with the children. Now, whatever she is and what she imparts to them is how those children are going to grow up. And this is the age when they need it. Because if your house doesn't have a foundation, you've got no kind of a house. Does that make sense? That's well, that's there we are. There we are. Exactly what, uh, there we are. And we have that in white and red, and we give it in any color that you might like. And that's another thing, too. The Bible is the heritage of life. And so when you come right down, I know that price is something that doesn't enter in at all. It's the utility of it. And believe you me, I think you both have to agree that you have the utility there. Is that true or isn't it? Yeah. Well, That's all we have to say. And believe you me, the utility of that Bible is going to like pay pay itself off. through the. You know. I mean, for a lot of those families, I think they probably used it to get their kid up to the uh, level of the table when they're eating. I mean, <laughs> Not at that price. <laughs> I'd like to know how many people... Still have that Bible, and whether they sign out all the signatures, you know, to this day. If any yeah. of you out there listening have one of those Bibles that yeah. this sells, we'd like to know about Did it. Do we catch the name? Do we know the name of the publisher? We never really did. We know the uh, the uh, what's his name, Melbourne I Feldman. Feldman. Yeah, was he a, was the greatest salesman in the world. That's the first guy you heard. In fact, they call him the greatest uh, salesman of the world's best seller. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the documentary 1968 classic called Salesman, and you're listening to Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. And, you know, as far as, you know, documentary, as far as the, as the rules go, is kind of tricky because, yeah, it creates the world it exists in because it, in this sense, captures the world that it... Uh, well, they're definitely trying to carve the world, although, you know, that world still exists for us on this DVD, but that world is long gone. There's no more door-to-door salesmen, Fuller Brush guys. Uh, yeah, Fuller Brush has gone totally digital. I mean, you go online. Is there Amway is yes, even there is. digital, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's still, that world still exists. We can watch it. It's preserved, you know, for us. Uh, By the way, on a couple of occasions, the, the, the cameraman pans down and actually shows the feet as he's approaching the yeah, door. And I good. keep thinking... Really good, and you know, yeah. of that thing, don't let him get a uh, don't, don't let him get, get his get foot, foot in the, the door. door. And yeah. that 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 term comes from Dordadale salesman, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Definitely, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, sometimes you're watching this and and you get immersed in it. You know, I know it's hard to believe those of you out there who have this, you know, really slick television stuff, but you're going to get involved in this and you're going to pull for that salesman. There's one woman, she just can't part with her last 
$50, and he's trying to get her. Paul's going for him. You're feeling bad for Paul. You're saying, come on, lady, you can buy that Bible. Come on, you can Can't do you it. Can't you do a dollar a week, lady? <laughs> yeah, $5 a week, and they're ready to pull out the payment book, you know? It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It pretty much carries you right along. It uh, takes you into that world and sustains it. It's a real, it's kind of a rough ride, but y- you're right there. It's really sad. It'll make to you feel a little guy. uncomfortable in some areas, you yeah. know, because you see these guys, you can't even dream of like going out and, you know, having to share a room with somebody and getting in your car and going cold calling to door to door. And, and these people come right out, and you can see how they live, how they act, how they behave. In 1960, uh, probably 1967. 66, when they were 67, when they were shooting, yeah. yeah. And for that matter, I mean, it definitely is all over Rule 3 then about uh, maintaining its cultural relevance. This is, you know, just an episode in the path that led us, you know, as a as a nation and as an industrial uh, well, participant. I would say they're retaining its meaning, even though we don't have salesmen today such as this. We still have people who try to get money for, like, the Red Cross or, or another... Uh, or public radio. Public, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, 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 no. Can't you do a dollar a day? Not, it's the same that's thing. That's nothing it's like that thing. at all. No. <laughs> and the, re, you know, the rejection that people can feel when, you know, someone says, well, you know, yeah. I got to... I got to get some smokes, you know. With public radio, it's something that uh, generally you pay for because you do use it every day. And in the case of this Bible, you're trying to entice someone to use something that uh, is maybe a little bit uh, the luxury model and that they might not necessarily need. So there's a certain aspect to it. It's a strange confluence of of religion and and commerce. I I think it's strange. The father's business. The father's business. Yes. Uh, the other thing is, is the best part about this is that it's a form of uh, cinema that's still really with us today. Oh, yeah, very you much know, The so. way they do that, they, what they insisted was direct cinema, you know. I mean, you go on YouTube any day and you'll see a hundred examples of direct cinema being uploaded onto that uh, system daily. And plus, it's easier now than it's ever been because you don't have to pay per footage on your film stock. Because even back then, that film stock was rather expensive. At 16 millimeter, you used it still costs now. You've got a video camera; it can just roll until until Jesus comes back. You know, so your you hard just, drive fills yeah, up, I mean, which is a long time. Long time. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about the perfect film, 1968's Salesman by the Maisel Brothers, and uh, I agree. I have to say, I didn't necessarily expect to be to be pulled along so beautifully, but I absolutely was. I need to interject one thing real yeah. quick here. We're talking about video and film. The one great thing about Salesman and why I think it's so great is because, like you said, film was expensive. So the Maisel brothers would be a little more cautious about burning a lot of film. If they saw something going to happen, they would just kill it. Nowadays, you got these bozos making these big, long documentaries and shooting as much videotape as they want. And, and it makes it harder and harder to get good footage. Yeah, they're more but dis- the Maisels, they were more discretionate about what they had right, to cut. The Maisels began to learn when something good was going to happen, and they were ready for it. And that's another thing I think makes Salesman so powerful. It is powerful and a perfect movie. It's a re- perfect movie. There's no doubt about it, and uh, and and kind of shortish if I if I remember properly. Eighty five minutes. Yeah, I mean that's not that's not too awful. It's as long as it needs to be. What yeah. it says for them as filmmakers is that they had a nose for being at the right place at the right time for their subject. You mm-hmm. know, that's what made mm-hmm. them such genius filmmakers. Everything else just came and, and just kind of followed where they were, but they knew how to. Between those two guys, they knew how to 
go places and figure out what was going to be good on film. I just could smell it. I'd be interested to find out how it was exactly that they decided uh, to hone in on that. What it was about these men in their neighborhood that they that they realized this really would be something that would uh, catch the the eyes and sort of hearts of people. It's pretty cool and uh, and well done. We're about out of time, gentlemen. You can always write the film, guys. You guys like to get a little... Uh, we love to get letters. Love it. Put that <laughs> lipstick all over those letters. <laughs> Hard to put lipstick on an email, but try. <laughs> try it. It's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. That's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. Gentlemen, we are just about out of time. Anything you want to say on the way out? See you next time. See you next time. Thank you, George. Be Thank there, you, be square. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please. <laughs> <laughs>